Welcome to the Hockey Show Podcast with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Unfortunately, we are uh, doing this podcast uh, following the passing of Rocky Wirtz, who uh, died at the age of 70 earlier this week. Uh, Chief, just stunning news as uh, we found this out that the chairman and owner of the Blackhawks uh, had passed on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was stunning. I didn't know him uh, personally. I'm sure you had far more interactions and a personal relationship with him. Uh, but it's just the the outpouring and or maybe inpouring of text messages I've received about what kind of guy he was, uh, generous, faithful, passionate, very intelligent, all these, you know, all these adjectives that everybody would want to have attached to their name. Um, but on, on like a more personal level, a human level, like he in certain ways, like changed fundamentally, like changed the course of my life by bringing back hockey. And I remember where I was when, uh, when his father died and it was this kind of like, well, is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be Rocky? Like who's going to run things and what's it going to look like now? And, and Rocky ultimately uh, got control of the team. And, and that led to, you know, a period of 10 years that were that were great and and put me on this path because if they were still this bottom dwelling team, I would not be in media. No one would care about the Blackhawks. So uh, I was able to find a path that way. But then, you know, and I wrote this in uh, in my blog, I had a lot of car trips downtown with my dad coming out from St. Charles going to games. And and that was just in because he he became a season ticket holder uh that first year in 2007, he got his own, his own set of tickets. And it was just like, you know, Rocky doing things the right way kind of, in, you know, allowed us as, you know, as I was a young adult to have sometimes because of the traffic on, on, on 90, three hour conversations with my dad, just one-on-one. And, and it was, it was like, it's like a weird thing to attribute to Rocky, but I promise you that my dad and I are closer now because of the actions that he took to fix that team. And I just associate him with, you know, these 10 years of memories that I made with my friends, my, my father and, and uh, my, my younger brother as well. And it was all centered around uh, the way that he ran the Blackhawks. And I will be forever grateful for that. Yeah. It, it's, it goes far beyond the three championships in six years. It, it, because you have to go back to 05, 06, when you know ESPN rated the Blackhawks the worst franchise in professional sports, not just in the NHL, the worst in all of professional sports. You go right. to games at the United Center, Chief, and I remember Gretzky was coaching the Coyotes, and I literally I could hear all the conversations on the bench. Uh, like Tommy Hawk would walk around, and it was like you were at a Chuck E. Cheese, like, hey, come over here, Tommy, take a picture with these – like. There, were, there was nobody there. There were 5,000 people there. And yeah. hockey was an afterthought. Uh, it certainly wasn't a destination for any free agents. Um, they, you know, the reputation was, you know, what you see in this building is basically how this team is being run. And so when Bill Wirtz passes away, I think a lot of people thought, you know, oh, yeah, Peter Wirtz is going to take over. And since he was already connected to the team, it was going to be pretty much uh, standard operating business the the way that they had done their business. And, you know, Rocky did a complete pivot. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing 
and everybody thinks it's it's just an obvious choice of putting the home games on television. Uh, sure, from a marketing perspective, and it, it makes a lot of sense. But think of of, of the uh, the chutzpah it takes to to in that family. Yeah. Your father passes away. It's one of his the biggest things he doesn't want to have happen. And you do an about face, uh, you know, in, in a couple of months after he passes. I mean, that, that that shows you, you know, the kind of businessman he was. And from there, building this infrastructure of this mom and pop run original 16 to being run like a modern day NHL franchise. And, and willing to pour money into it. And to your point about how it was before him. You know, the only games that would have any sort of buzz or crowd was when all the people from Michigan drove over uh, to watch the Red Wings, you know, beat the brakes off the Blackhawks. And, and that was a thing for at least six or seven years in, in around that uh, that lockout in 0405 when it was canceled. But, you know, from probably what, 99, 98, 99, up until Taves and Kane, that place was dead with the exception of the Red Wings. And, you know, that's when I was in like my, you know, my youth, right. I was, you know, that's when like my hockey fandom was probably at an all time high in a way where you're just watching ESPN, you're watching the whole league. And um, you took, like, I just remember playing on hockey teams to be like, all right, who's your favorite player? Oh, I love Zetterberg. Oh, who's your favorite player? I love Matt Sundin. Who's your favorite team? We had, I had a ton of kids that I grew up with that were Red Wings fans. Because they were awesome, they were on TV, you know, a lot. And if you were if you were a kid growing up in Chicago at that time, forty one games a year automatically not on TV. And then if you're in the Western Conference, you can pretty much scratch off any game against Vancouver, San Jose, LA, Anaheim, Arizona, and maybe Colorado. Is like, well, I I got homework, or I'm going to bed, or I got you know, like you're not if you're a young kid, you're not staying up that late. And you want to talk about creating generations of fans. That's with Rocky, too. And the participation rates in the NHL or uh, in Illinois for, for youth hockey have skyrocketed since he took over. And not only was, you know, he brought in Taves and Kane, the team was awesome. That had a huge impact as well. But he built, you know, he built Fifth Third. He built the other, you know, the other ranks. He, he's invested in, in the community, in the, in the hockey community. And, and he will have a lasting, lasting tribute on the sport, not just the franchise, but the sport uh, in this area. And it is, it couldn't be more different. And then when I, you know, was 1920 and uh, up at, up at Lake Forest, you would look at the Blackhawks schedule and see if you could pair it up with, uh, with yours and you would take the Metra down and then you would get into the big, like, you know, I loved Peter Forsberg. Okay. So Peter Forsberg was my favorite. So if he was in Philly or Colorado or can't remember, but I would always try to make an effort to see him. And it was like, all right, let's go down. It's, tickets are $8 to get in. And with a student ID, you got in for four. So that, that was the ticket price. It's not exactly high demand. Like when we're in the good days when they're going for a hundred plus for standing room only. So you get in for four bucks. You watch the first period in the three hundreds. They kind of migrate down, wait for the security guys to look the other way. And sometimes you're sitting on the glass for the second and third periods because nobody cared. And Rocky made people care about this franchise. They made people love this franchise again. And uh, and it 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 really, gen- like I said, had an impact on, on my life and, and every hockey fan's life in this area. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like my son was born in 2007. So right as Rocky took over and he rode that wave of, of interest in hockey over the next 16 years. And, you know, we would go to the rinks here uh, um, in the northern suburbs and there was no Blackhawks presence in those rinks prior to 2010. And then, you know, from 2010 on, it would be official rink of the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. They would have, you know, youth participation with Blackhawks camps and things like that. So, and I, I mean, like I look around the house and it's like daughter with uh, Taves at, you know, one of the championships, like, like without Rocky, without hockey coming back to the Blackhawks, um, I'm not doing, I guarantee you, I would still not be at NBC Sports Chicago 18, 19 years later if, yep. if the Blackhawks had not gone on the run that they did. There's not a chance. Yep. And so from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint, I have a ton of, of thanks and gratitude to what, uh, to what Rocky did. And, you know, Chief, I look at one of the biggest decisions he made. And, and you know, some people love him. Some people hate him. But the decision to get John McDonough, who at the time was the president of the Cubs, he meets with Rocky at a champs um, in the suburbs. And they spend, I think it was, you know, supposed to be like an hour meeting. They end up spending four or five hours. And Rocky's, he, you know, he told John, he's like, you're my, my plan A, B, and C. I don't have another plan. You're who I want. He went out and got him. And I'll tell you, um, McDonough did a lot to put the vision of, of Rockies into play and spending that money and, and becoming a first class organization where, you know, they didn't they were known to not treat their players well. They went above and beyond and were first class all the way. They would do things like if on long road trips out west, if there was a maybe a two day gap. He'd say, "Yeah, you take the boys to uh, to Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, blow some steam off. You know how much that costs for a traveling party yeah. of that size. But that's the kind of thing, and that stuff uh, spreads around the league. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what: if if in a salary cap year, when all things are equal and and and, t- and purse strings are tight, uh, the, the treatment of player it goes a long way into." Uh, helping a player make a decision of where they want to go, uh, you know, pursue yeah, I'll, their I'll, dreams. I'll, I'll tell another story and I'll leave the name out for his sake, but it's a, a guy that I'm friends with who was on the team and, you know, he got used to playing here in, in the golden era, which when you're traveling, it meant, you know, if you have a particular candy that you like or something that you like when you're, tra- when you travel, it's sitting in your seat on the charter when you get on the plane the, pl- the plane trips were catered by Chicago Cuts. You're getting all the best food. Everybody's happy. And then he uh, he left and, and went to a smaller market team, gets on the gets on the plane for his first road trip. And it's like nothing there. He might as well be flying southwest. And <laughs> he get he looks around and all his teammates who have been in that, you know, the smaller market team for a while, where had their their uh, Chipotle burrito bowls that they bought themselves for the for the cross country flight, and he's like, 
you know, if in his only previous experience in the NHL had really been with the Blackhawks, he was like, wait a second. Like, what? Oh. what? What? I mean, not everybody. Where's has- the shrimp cocktail? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody has uh, like lobster cargo and filet mignon on, on the charter. No, you gotta, you better go get yourself a, a burrito bowl from Chipotle in the airport before we go. And that was, that's, you know, kind of that rocky difference. It was like every detail, you know, there is no detail too small and, and and no expense too big. Like he was he was gonna he was gonna put on a good product. And 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 again, if you're a kid my age, where you're you're growing up in the the mid '90s or early '90s, and it was that those were good times, and they were like the the crown jewel of the NHL video games. You you weren't allowed to play with them because they had Belfour and Chelios and Monte and Ronick, and and they had these star guys that you know they never won the cup, but they had they had very good teams. And then when it came time to pay those guys, they were all shown the door because of, hey, you know what? We're not keeping you guys around. So anybody that you had an attachment to as an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old, they were gone by the time you were 12. And it was like, this is like kind of woke you up to like the business of hockey. Rocky comes over and and with, you know, with McDonough too. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, we're going to have Brian Campbell. And we're going to have Marion Hosa, and we're going to sign everybody that we need to sign. Oh, and by the way, we're going to have, you know, the most robust scouting department here and in Europe. And, and we're going to do things as best we can because we have championship aspirations. And, and that was something about Rocky that I loved. It, it, it may, and there are other things too, but he kind of ran the team. He's a very smart businessman. So I'm not saying that he ran it like a, like a dumb fan, but like he cared like a fan. Like he wanted to win. He wanted to see the guys do well. And that was, you know, we had season tickets in the, uh, the in one twelve, and you'd look across the way and you'd see Rocky sitting at the top of one nineteen in his folding chair. So no owner's box, you know, not, you know, not even like his own seat. He just like get a folding chair that they would use for a concert or something and plop it down at the top of one nineteen. And I'm going to watch the game in the corner, like a hockey dad. And, you know, we had the seats where we were. My dad would always try to switch the seats. Like, hey, I want to be in the corner like Rocky. Like, not to talk to him or anything, but he just liked that view. And he thought it was funny that Rocky was over there. He was always trying to change over into a corner. And I just, that, like, it just reminded me of, of my own dad. When I was playing, I, you, he would always just be standing in the corner. I felt like the dads, you know, the moms would sit center ice a lot of times. The dads would be in the corner. And I just love that Rocky was just perched up there, you know, didn't want to like take a seat away from a fan that's dollars out of his pocket. So just get me a folding chair and I'll put it right here. And, uh, and I, and I love that. And he was just, and he was approachable in the rink. Um, and, and I think he, he was the savior of this, of hockey in this market. You think about chief, like we, we talked about how like Oh six was like, you know, it was the dark ages and by 2009 and 10, it's the place to be. Yeah. It went from, you know, the horrible restaurant or the bad club that nobody was at to the place that had a line out the door and a velvet rope. And, and, you know, you had to know somebody to get in. I mean, it was, and the fact that like, you know, Bill Wirtz had many, many critics and, you know, dollar bill and all the things that they, they said about him. And then, Rocky comes in and it's like, he's the 180. He's the antithesis of that. He's spending money to make money. And then they're chanting his name at the United Center. I mean, in this, in this city, 
with so much angst between the fan bases and ownership and, and, you know, you don't hear, you know, you hear sell the team before you hear an owner's name chanted and Rocky's name was chanted several times throughout those cup runs. Yep. And, you know, he, he was beloved as, as, as you said, as like the, the guy who saved hockey. Well, speaking of the sell the team thing, I can tell you from personal experience, we've put that phrase on two different team-specific shirts, okay? <laughs> we've sold two shirts that say, sell the team. We could probably come up with a third, but it's the same guy who owns two of the teams that should probably sell. But it, it that would never happen with Rocky. Like, Rocky, you know, things have gone bad here uh, on the ice, and uh, but that was – it was never for lack of effort or spending on his part. You know, like, he – he was he was what you want out of an owner, um, and uh, and and really kind of delivered on on that vision that he had to make the Blackhawks, you know this this first class uh, organization and and the winning, you know the winning you need a lot of you need a lot of luck to win uh, to win the cup, but in some ways I do believe that you you make your own luck and he did he laid the foundation and and did all the things to put themselves in a position where it's like, all right, we need a couple bounces. We need that, you know, Seabrook, you know, bomb to get deflected in past the Detroit goalie, and we need to be healthy, and we need to do all these things. But all the things that were in his control, it felt like he took care of them, and that led to uh, a great run here, and that's why you've seen all these former players, Taves, Kane, Bolin, Sopel, Dylan Strom, all, all these guys just with their, their own little personal message and tribute uh, uh, across social media because it felt like people who came into contact with Rocky uh, knew that he was a genuine guy and, uh, and they appreciated the way that uh, he treated uh, his employees. You mentioned uh, Patrick Kane. Here's what Kane had to say. Not only was Rocky Wards a great man and humble to the core, he was extremely loyal and generous to everyone, but especially to us players. He always made sure everything was first class for us. That mattered to him, just like winning and just like his family. My sympathy to his wife, Marilyn, to his son, Danny, and the entire Words and Blackhawks family. And like you said, the, the treatment of employees, um, there, there's a lot he did that, of course, went um, unsaid as far as helping out yeah. players and family members of players and uh, you know, helping employees at the United Center uh, during COVID, making sure they got paid uh, when when all those games were canceled and events were canceled. Uh, I look back at at uh, you know some of the things he did for uh, the players, and um, you know it, it it's there is something to the hockey. We talk about it being a family and being around this team now for you know, the better part of a decade and a half, it, it, you really saw, and you saw it like him going to bring Pat Foley back. Could you imagine those three cups without Pat as the voice track to those, those yeah, championships? Absolutely not. And, and, you know, and he, I believe Pat was calling Wolves games at that yeah. time because he's, you know, a Chicago guy through and through. And it was like, you know, the petty wars thing uh, under the under his dad. It was just like, this is not right. And I want to say the first year that they were back on TV, and it's nothing against this guy. I can't remember his name, right? Dan but, Kelly, I believe, was the yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. He, 
Pat Foley means something to this city and and, and always had. So I, it was like a, a celebration and rightfully so when he came back and it's and that doesn't happen without without Rocky. And you talk about how, you know, he tried to make it a family. Well, they did, the, you know, like even things like the last, you know, one last shift and, you know, they, you know, you can. I don't know. You can, I guess you can make distinctions about which guys they should have brought back, but bringing the legends back, making a man Bassers and Chelio, Savard, Hull, Makita, uh, you know, bringing those guys back that, you know, they have statues and their numbers up to Pierre Palat, uh, you know, Keith Magnuson's son, all these different people who had kind of been pushed away from the organization by the, by the previous uh, generation were welcomed back with, with open arms. And, uh, and because, you know, I feel like Rocky embraced and understood that we're an original six team with this great tradition and and there's power and strength in that. And we need to we need to embrace that um, in order to get the most out of this organization. And he really took real strides to do that. Uh, he also uh, was very caring and uh, helpful when it when. when- employees were down and going through tough times. And we had Eddie Olchek on, on Tuesday night. And, you know, he talked about his cancer battle and how instrumental uh, Rocky was and, and, and how, you know, they would, the, the message would always be take as much time as you need. If there's anything we can do, you know, they put him in touch with, it was the Blackhawks doctors that literally took, yeah. Eddie from one hospital on the North shore brought him downtown and made sure, you know, the treatment plan was sound. And, uh, you know, he did that for, for countless numbers of, of people that were connected to the, the franchise. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, it, it, it really is a sad week when you think of, of all the good that, that he did. Um, I, I know there's obviously there's, you know, nobody is perfect and no, no life is perfect at all. And, and there's been talk a lot about how the, you know, Kyle Beach sexual assault will uh, affect his legacy. As I look at it, you know, I'm going to go by the Jenner and Block report that uh, says he did not know about it. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the, the role that McDonough said in his book, right? You know, I only tell him 5% of, of yeah. what's really going on. Yeah. And it's like, look, you would hope that if he had known, he would have, you know, taken better steps, but you know, he and he, the family and beach settled and uh, you know, so that there's tried to make reparations for what happened while he was, you know, stewarding this team. But, you know, like you said, the 5% quote, I'm sorry. I challenge anybody to run three to four multi-billion dollar companies at once and know everything that's going on. So the, the charge that, you know, he's somehow culpable, I, I just, based on that report, which, you know, they said they had no nothing to do with, they let the, the chips fall where they may. I have no reason not to believe them based on, you know, my interactions. I, you know, I don't, I didn't know Rocky, but I, I know Danny. And I have no reason to believe that they're not telling the truth about that. And uh, so if he didn't know, I don't, it's like, well, he should have known. I, that's, that's a hard thing for me to, to have just uh, a blanket guilt on anybody who was employed by the Blackhawks at that time. So, 
uh, you know, nobody was there. I don't know what happened, you know, fully. And I'll, I'll go on, on the report on that. And, uh, and, and it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why it has to be, especially on the day that he passes. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing that, you know, like, like, you know, I don't know. It, it's, yeah. it's everybody kind of, to me, it feels like a, a, everyone's always racing to have like a moral authority, a moral superiority where it's just like, Hey, like sometimes you don't know things that were going on yeah. and that doesn't necessarily make you guilty. I think the town hall meeting uh, for those that want to go down that road is kind of the, is a catalyst to in this conversation too, because it was such a misstep and an unfortunate thing that, that Rocky did uh, when he responded that way to the reporters. And I know it's something that he would like to have back. Everybody would like to have that back, but um, they can't and they can't undo that. And it was a misstep. Certainly. And I think we saw from that point forward, really uh, Rocky retreat from the limelight of the Blackhawks. And it was Danny's show. Yeah. I mean, from that point forward, for sure, it was already Danny's show. But mm-hmm. um, so look, when it comes to legacy, you know, that moment, that town hall meeting was it was an unfortunate uh, happening. And, you know, I know he wished he had that back. And I know the team wishes they had that back. They can't undo it. And um, and therefore, I think uh, that kind of fuels this conversation a little bit when people talk about the legacy. Yeah, but I, I and I understand that, but we're talking about a man who's been who lived for seventy years, and we're gonna tarnish his name on based on five minutes. Um, and he definitely look. It was not a good moment. <laughs> like he did not he did not handle that well. But I sometimes I wonder if it's you know depending on who asked the question. Like, I think if Pat, I think if you had asked that question, if you had been in that room, I think you, you might've gotten a different response than uh, the initial uh, reporter that asked. I have a theory about that, that there are certain people who are, they're up to no good, you know, that they have an agenda and it's like, you know, like enough of this. And I think he had a bad day at a bad moment and snapped on a guy that he probably wanted to snap on a hundred other times and then doubled down, which made it even worse. And uh, so you shouldn't have done that, but it's, I I do think that it's, you know, I I have a hard time, you know, for a guy who lived for 70 years and did so many good things publicly, privately to have that be the, in, in the headline is a tough, it's, that's tough for me to accept for, uh, and, you know, I also think that ultimately his legacy is Danny. Okay, that's that's the reality of it. And he raised a good man who wants to do well and would have answered that question differently and better. Uh, And and that's that to me is the most important thing that Rocky will have done is is raise, you know, a good son and a good man. And and from my experience with Danny, that's my view of him. And uh, and that's what I you know, that's what you judge people on more than anything else, in in my opinion. So. so that I, I think he he has a good record minus minus those five minutes. <laughs> so, no, I, I think that's well said. And, and you talk about handing things over to Danny. 
Uh, this is not an easy task for him to take things over under these types of the circumstance. But, you know, he's been in this role the past few years and um, he's grown a lot just as, you know, so you've known him now for several years. And, and like, you know, from what I understand from people in the inner circles, like, you know, Danny and, and Rocky had their moments when he was growing up, like in high school, where they weren't the closest of father and son. And then he went to BC and, and didn't come to work for Beverage, uh, Words Beverage right away. But when he came back, the the bond that that started between those two and that has carried carried on until the, the final days, uh, they were best friends at the end, and they would always do. Uh, like a like a, a coffee on a Friday and like a, at a um, at a downtown hotel and it was a standing appointment that they did not miss and um, I've been told that you know Danny was was really instrumental in some of the uh, business decisions that were made with words beverage and and, and oh, some yeah. of the, the decisions that were made um, that maybe had were not have been done with the previous regime of Wurtz beverage and that Danny was the driving force behind that. And uh, it added to even more success mm -hmm. for uh, that portion of the family's empire. Totally. And, and, you know, full disclosure, I was not, I was in the beverage industry before moving to Barcelona full time too. So that is a name, and Danny specifically is known as like, hey, this guy is this guy's a sharp guy. He's kind of like a, a visionary. He's he's a he's a hustler and a guy who everybody likes him, but he's he's very sharp. And it's like you talk to different you know alcohol brands and things like that, and they all know Danny, and they all know they all have very complimentary things to say about him. So I I knew of his reputation um, in, in the beverage industry way before I do anything about him with the Blackhawks. So, and I think that's where a lot of my uh, trust in him uh, to run the Blackhawks ultimately comes from is, you know, I've been hearing about him for probably seven, eight years about what he is, what he's like as a, as a guy and a, and a business person. So uh, just as we kind of wrap things up here, a, a couple of, you know, I, I had several interactions with Rocky over the years, uh, several interviews uh, one of them was at Wurtz Beverage. Have you ever been to that facility? Yeah. Okay. Out, out in um, like Cicero? The, the yeah, factory. yeah, in Cicero. Yep. It's state of the art. It, it, and like I remember going there and it like it's you can off the floor. Yeah. Like it's so, yeah. like, again, we talk about spending money to make money. And it was completely automated where, you know, they had forklifts go and grab pallets of whatever liquor booze that you know and and it would distribute it and it like they were way ahead of their time as far as um revolutionizing that part part of the business so i remember sitting and we did this interview after the 2010 cup on the floor of of words beverage and it was like i'm just looking around going okay this is why they're so successful like yeah. it, it, it it's first class you know and and, it, and things weren't done overnight. Like it, it was funny that those guys during those cup years had to practice at Johnny's, you know, and like, yeah. and like, I remember going around before uh, like the, the 15 cup and we're like talking to these guys and, and I'm in a youth locker room. 
Yeah. It's like, can we um, wrap this practice up? The Zam's coming on for the Chicago Jets, all right? So that's got to move it. And that, Chiefs got a beer league game. Come yeah, on. Got to move them out of here. So that was, yeah, they, they did a lot. And then back to the beverage thing, you know, all the, the mergers and acquisitions, I, I think they're the second or third largest liquor distributor in the, in the country now or North America. And that was really spearheaded, um, I've been told, by, by Danny as well. Obviously, there's a lot of hands uh, going to making something like that happen, but that was, you know, they've, they've grown significantly, uh, with Danny at the helm. And so, you know, I, I think that there was, I've seen some consternation about, you know, what, what happens now? Because Rocky, even when he was kind of the rumors are that when he was, uh, you'd have maybe Jamie Faulkner would be the jury and Danny would be the judge. And then Rocky sometimes would be the governor. Okay, so it's like, hey, you know what? Actually, we're going to do this. And uh, that, that was, there's been stories about that in the last couple of years. But I, I really, you know, I think they're in, I think the organizations uh, with Danny is, they're in good hands and, and things are going to go well. And we're at the start of a bright new era. It is an odd timing thing where um, Bill Wirtz passed right as Taves and Kane were coming at the league. And then, now Rocky, right, is Bedard. It, that's like one of those weird, like spooky kind of things. But yeah. um, but I think, you know, I think it's onwards. You know, I think the I think the trajectory is the same. And I really I trust Danny and I think things are going to where it's going to be. It's going to be good here. And I, it, But you wish that Rocky would be able to still, you know, be at the top of 119 watching this next generation uh, chase down a cup. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point about him kind of being the the final say. And I think yeah. over the years, there's been and there are several times where, you know, players, uh, uh, let's say time in Chicago was questioned and uh, somebody wanted to move on from a player. And no. and you got the let's pump the brakes here a second. Let's talk through this. And I think he was a, a man, you know, who had. Uh, had measured words and uh, you know he'd been through through so many battles in business that you know he didn't have a flippant reaction uh to to many um things that crossed his desk i'll tell you what his sense of humor uh he's a funny dude uh a couple things so we used to back when nbc sports chicago was a comcast sports net they used to have the comcast sports net sports awards and steve Dahl used to host them and one year, Steve, I was down at the Super Bowl. Steve would be down in, in, uh, in Florida. And we, we came up with this idea. I think Andy Samberg had done that. I'm on a boat uh, on yeah. SNL. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what if we did the open to the sports awards on a boat? And, you know, Steve Dahl's like, well, let's do it on Rocky's boat, the Blackhawk. And we're like, I'm like, you really think – do you really think Rocky it was a nice boat? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice boat. Yeah. Well, sure enough, somehow we asked him, and uh, Rocky said, "Yeah, come on the boat." We ended up spending some time with him and the family on the boat, and then we ended up shooting our "I'm on a boat" yeah. bit for for the open. But I'm like, you know, I'm like, I can't believe he's letting us do this. Yeah. Last thing I'll I'll say, um, so. Uh, happened to live somewhere in the in a general vicinity of where uh, Rocky lived, and so we ended up, I guess, going to the same 
uh, Walgreens. And so this is probably like, I don't know, 2011, 12. No, this is like, this is around 13 or 14. And it's AFC NFC championship Sunday. And I uh, went and got a quick workout in and I'm like, all right, got to, got to get some beer. So I'm, I'm kind of like disheveled from a, from a workout, you know, hot, sweaty, gross, grab the 12 pack. I'm standing at the checkout line and who do I see but one <laughs> Rockwell Wirtz and Maryland. And they're like, Oh, hi. And it, and it felt like they were saying, Oh, this is our broadcaster. <laughs> Isn't it great to see him on a Sunday morning at 1130 AM with his, with his 12 pack of beer. But he yeah. didn't make the comment. He goes, you know, I, my distribution got that beer in here or yeah. something like that. He would yeah. always, he would always joke around with me about it afterwards. But um, it, the, at the end of that story, he's in the checkout line. I'm about five people uh, deep. And the, the woman is looking at his credit card. And she's like, Rockwell. Now, isn't that an interesting name? Who names their son? You know, and, and everybody in the line knew who he was. Except the, the, the checkout lady. But it was, um, I don't know, he was a funny guy. He uh, had a quick, quick uh, sense of humor, uh, funny sense of humor. And um, a- along with all the other things we've talked about as far as, his business acumen and uh, his his communication uh, that he had w- with those in his inner circle and with with his employees. So, uh, rest in peace, Rocky Wirtz. Thank you for bringing hockey back to Chicago. Any uh, final words on your end, Chief? No, I mean that that's it. That's what it is, really. Like I, I did have it. Always brought a smile to my face when I saw when I looked across the rink, and I'd always just try to find him in one nineteen because I, I just thought that that was the coolest thing. That he, you know, every other owner in the world is kind of they, they sequester themselves and they take their own private elevator up, and he just kind of walked the concourse and came out from the Sonia Henny room and just put that chair down and like, hey, I'm I'm in the mix and I'm with I'm with the guys and. I'm with, you know, it's my team, but I'm a fan and, and I, I love that about him. So I will, uh, I'll, and, and the humility too, I think, you know, I, I think about all those trips to the white house and I don't, you know, Hey, you like barely spoke, you know, it's like, Hey John, you know, you go take the podium and you present the jersey, the 44 Blackhawks jersey to Obama. And, you know, like he didn't, he, he was very generous with giving, you know, really special moments to pe- people besides himself. Like he, he was a guy who was ultimately pulling the strings, but didn't necessarily need the limelight. Yeah, and, uh, it's and, a great uh, point because you think yeah. about it. Uh, owners in other professional sports seem to take center stage, certainly if you win three yeah. championships in six years. And I'm thinking now as you're saying that, I don't remember at any of those three cup celebrations him taking you know any sort of victory lap while he was up on uh, at the podium it was it like you said it was let let everybody else uh you know share in this moment and uh i'll just i'll just be over here the guy financing it all yeah i'll be the guy writing checks you guys will go have a good time (laughs) and that you know and i've got to know you know a bunch of different people at various departments in the organization and you know, there's been times I've been out with them and there's been a big bar tab and, and it's like, 
you know, I'm like, oh, like here, I'll, you know, I'll throw my card. Like, ah, don't worry, Rocky's got this one. You know, <laughs> you know, so like, this is a work trip. Like, Rocky's got this one. So, and and it was just because they knew, like, and I'm sure Rocky would be, you know, happy to treat the guys for a for a night. So he's he was just, you know, a generous, humble guy, and and uh, I I wish I I I knew him better, but I, I do like having just like that vision of looking across at 119 and. You know, he was always hosting somebody. He was always dressed in a suit, but he was plopped right there and, you know, just in a folding chair. And I just always thought that was the best. Well, that's our look back at Rocky Wirtz after he passed away earlier this week. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hockey Show podcast. For Barstool Chief, I'm Pat Boyle. We'll catch you next time.